0: chapter 4 starting at verse 1 scripture says and it came to pass that when all the people were clean passed over jordan that the lord spake unto joshua saying take you twelve men out of the people out of every tribe a man and command you them saying Take ye hence out of the midst of Jordan, one of the places, uh, sorry, out of the place where the priest's feet stood firm, twelve stones, and you shall carry them with you, and leave them in the lodging place where you shall lodge this night. Then Joshua called the twelve men whom he had prepared of the children of Israel out of every tribe of man. And Joshua said unto them, Pass over before the ark of the Lord your God in the midst of Jordan, and take you up every man of you a stone. Upon his shoulder, so it's a decent sized stone, according unto the number of the tribes of the children of Israel. That this may be a sign among you that when your children ask their fathers in time to come, saying, What mean ye by these stones? then you shall answer them that the waters of Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord when it passed over Jordan. The waters of Jordan were cut off, and these stones shall be for a memorial unto the children of Israel forever. Amen. This will probably be our last lesson in our series on relationships that we've been teaching over the past four or five weeks. We're teaching this morning on what I believe is one of the greatest challenges and privileges that you can face in life, and that is the subject of raising children. Uh, This passage is a good place to start. Israel had seen the Lord miraculously part the Jordan River for them to enter the promised land and as a memorial for future generations a man from each tribe was to select a large stone and they were to place them together I guess in some sort of a stack or a pile so that when their children asked in the future what those stones meant they could tell them of what God had done that day for Israel. In a simple sense, in a very simple sense this is what raising children is all about. It's about the transferring of beliefs, values, behaviors and principles from one generation to the next. To be a parent is a wonderful thing. Uh, we've got some new babies among us. We've got some new babies still on the way. And to have a child or to have children that are a part of you is quite amazing. The love that you feel for your children is, is pretty impossible to describe satisfactorily to those who have not had children of their own yet it's it's a it's really only when you become a parent that you can understand how other people spoke about the love they feel for their children many of us can testify of how our parents told us that they loved us that we believed them but that we didn't really get it until we had kids of our own amen and uh, but to be a parent gives us also a glimpse of the love that god feels for his children we are limited we do not have perfect love but god in the love that only he is able to claim loves us more than we love our own children he made that clear in scripture to be a parent is also a great responsibility the moment you have a child you become responsible for this is not an exhaustive list but the housing the clothing the feeding the teaching the training and the developing of that child and as christians we're also responsibility so we're also responsible for the instruction in spiritual areas as well the ungodly do not consider these things but as children of god we must this is our platform it is our foundation of how we raise our children and one of the things that i love as a pastor is talking to new believers when they share some of the things that god has brought them out of some of their experiences some of the sins that they've been delivered from some of the problems they've been through in their own families because of sin and how sin has a tendency to repeat from generation to generation and often people will say to me i wish i'd known jesus sooner i'd wish i'd known the lord when i was younger and 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 i understand that but then i draw their attention to the fact that their small children now have a different opportunity that this new faith that their parents have is going to make a difference in their family and instead of memories of things like broken homes or alcohol or drug abuse or violence or whatever it might have been, their little ones can now grow up with memories of being in the house of God, of being in the church that loves them, of their parents praying, and of receiving the Holy Ghost at a young age. That's that's the power of the Holy Ghost and the power of the blood of Jesus, that it can reach into a family that for generations has only known brokenness and heartache and destroy that cycle and turn it around that's what god can do amen and with the help of god and by the grace of god as parents we start new patterns from this generation moving forward and we praise god for that when we get to teaching about children probably should have said this at the start of this series but as a pastor when i teach on relationships it's never from the platform of excellence or perfection it's from the platform of Shared Humanity that we're all in this together. And, uh, but the principles that are in the Word of God apply to all of us. But We recognize that our culture has a big impact on how we approach the task of raising kids. I don't just mean our ethnicity or what country we're from, but the things we've observed in our own lives, our family's culture. We naturally tend to replicate or to copy what we've experienced. And if we think back in our own lives, sometimes the good and the bad there is yet to be a perfect family even the first family that god ever made only got to one generation and we had a murderer in the family it tells us about what sin can do amen so this morning i'm going to try and teach some biblical principles about raising kids and as best i'm able to try to attempt to give some practical applications of those as well ephesians chapter 6 i'd like you to turn there it's going to be on the screen i'm going to read the first four verses and then as we go along, we'll pick out these verses one at a time. Ephesians 6 and 1 says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy mother and father, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with thee, and thou mayest live long on the earth. And you fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. As parents... Our role is to provide an environment where our children's needs are met. Material needs, not wants. Material, emotional, mental, spiritual needs. The end of verse 4 in this passage speaks about nurture and admonition. The idea here is that there will be love, there will be security, there will be instruction, and where necessary, there will be correction. And just as it is in our walk with God, our motivation The way we parent, the way we raise our children, needs to be love—love for God, love for our kids. Amen. The goal of raising children is that when our children reach adulthood, that they will be capable human beings who can maturely make decisions and be responsible, work hard, live for God, serve God, perhaps have a family of their own, and the process starts again. Amen. It is—it's a long process, you know. And I remember. Some years ago now when my children were very small, I was having a, a little bit of a challenge with one of my kids. They were very, very little. And my uncle said to me, he said, don't worry, Simon, only lasts for 20 years. I said, thanks very much. But uh, it is a long process. Raising kids is a long process. You start out with a cute little bundle that you're instantly in love with, but at that stage all that little bundle knows how to do is to eat, to cry, to occasionally sleep, and to make hazardous, hazardous little waste products. And then life just seems to pick up speed. Any parent can relate to that of how the next thing you know, they're walking, they're talking, you're taking them to school, you're teaching them to drive, and then they're leaving you behind. It's like, when, How did that happen? How did, it, it's, it's hard for me to grasp that I have two adult children. They, they were kids, it seems, yesterday, but they're both young adults now. And the early years of a child's life is when learning is happening at an accelerated rate they are absorbing everything that is going on around them so one of the most powerful principles is that our children are just as easily affected by what we do as they are by what we tell them to do children need to be loved more than anything else they need to know that you love them and we'll talk about what love includes in a few minutes they need to know that you love them they need to know that god loves them they need to know that they are important and that they matter children run away from their parents in church and the parents have to come to the front and pick them up and it's embarrassing when you're a parent but we've all been there so that's okay children need our time and our attention uh, it applies in a, a variety of areas in life but we need to have a healthy relationship with our children not a friendship it's a mistake when your children are small to think that you are their friend I've read some terrible stories of parents letting kids do terrible things because they wanted them to like them your job is not to be liked as a parent now hopefully if we get things okay as we go along that relationship will develop into friendship but when they're little being their friend is not your first priority i think i've shared this before but my kids told me once that i was where happiness went to die i I wasn't their friend and that's that's just part of being a parent amen in days gone by there used to be an expression that children should be seen and not heard I don't think that's a good expression. I think it's wrong. uh, And I don't think it's something that we see much nowadays. However, what we do see nowadays is the pendulum has swung to the other extreme where they're not only seen and heard, but they're allowed to be in charge and do whatever they like. That's the other end, which is also not the way it should be in our families and particularly in the household of God. Verse 1 of Ephesians 6 says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right obedience is of great importance in the sight of god obedience to god and to every other level of authority in our lives is required of us by god that's not up for debate he expects us to obey the only time that we are given scriptural liberty to disobey authority is when it is in opposition to god being disobedient to parents is recorded in romans chapter one as part of a list of very wicked sins they're a product of men rejecting God. It's also listed in Second Timothy chapter 3 as one of the characteristics of sinful humanity in the last days. It matters to God. In the sight of God, disobedient children, I'm not saying imperfect, I'm talking about a problem, I'm not talking about a kid that doesn't always do what they're told, but in the eyes of God it is a sin to disobey our parents. You go back to the Old Testament when there were children that refused to obey and rebel and were really out of hand there was a place in the scripture for them to be stoned to death i'm glad we're not living in the old testament i might not have made it through my adolescence but what it tells us is that obedience is powerful in the sight of god that comment wasn't a reflection on my mother that was a reflection on me in the way that i behaved as a young person amen the thing is so how did children learn to obey Do we just read this verse to them every day until they're two years old? Children, obey your parents and the Lord and everything will be wonderful. I I wish it was that easy. But children must be taught to obey. Just like us, it's not natural to be obedient. We don't like to be told what to do. In fact, there's something about human nature that resists being told what to do by anybody. Teachers, bosses, pastors, parents, There's just something about our own pride. And you see, sinful sinful human nature is pre-installed software inside every baby. You don't pay for it. It comes pre-installed. And it is in our homes that children learn obedience. It is in our homes that children learn respect for authority that will affect them for the rest of their lives. And as any parent here can testify, before a child learns to walk, or even learns to talk, you will see a demonstration of their will beginning to resist yours. They may not be able to say no, but they are able to demonstrate no. And every parent said amen. Amen. And as an adult, you have wisdom and understanding, hopefully, that a child does not. Therefore, when you teach that child to do something or not to do something, the child will not understand, not, is not capable of understanding, and will quite often resist proverbs 22 and 15 says that foolishness is bound in the heart of a child but the rod of correction shall drive it far from him not popular language nowadays i thought you'd like that one brother Cornelius. (laughs) before we even get to talking about correction we need to understand that children do not know how to raise themselves that their hearts are filled with foolishness that's what the bible says We live in an age where rather than correct the child, we are told that we should encourage a child to make good choices. And that is what we should do. But that happens through the process of discipline and correction. You do not ask a one-year-old to make a good decision. All they're thinking about is what they want right in that moment. So your little bundle of joy comes with pre-installed sinful nature and a heart filled with foolishness. That's Bible. Amen children are very very young when they begin to display their will I'm not going to try and put an exact age on it but you if you are aware of what's happening once they're able to understand that you've told them to do something or not to do something you will see them resist that even a very small child who cannot say much and cannot even walk yet if you say don't touch something they will watch you and move their hand while you watch them and we've all seen that happen even at a very young age they can demonstrate that they don't want to do what you've asked them to do it may be simple things such as throwing some food on the floor if you've ever had a child and you said don't throw your food and they look at you and just throw it anyway (laughs) some of you might remember doing that yourselves hopefully not too recently or screaming because they don't want to be put in a high chair what you will see is that the human will manifests at a very young age it's there from a very and we just say oh they're so cute But obedience obedience is achieved when one will is submitted to another. That's what it comes down to. Either willingly or with encouragement. A child's will is strong. And the child's will must be broken quite early. That word broken sounds a bit strong, but what it means is from a very young age, children need to understand that mum and dad are in charge. It doesn't mean that you break the child's spirit and you make them terrified and fearful. They have to learn very young that mum and dad are in charge that they need to listen to mum and dad it is very unlikely that your two-year-old is going to commit terrible sins and wickedness but that's not the point the point is that if we establish boundaries in a young age in our children there's a better chance of them staying in place as the child grows you're setting you you're setting an understanding that when i ask you to do something or not to do something that's that's who's in charge and you set that from a very young age When a child resists your authority, you need to hold your ground. You need to hold your ground. If you do not mean what you say and say what you mean, the child will learn very quickly that you are not to be taken seriously and will disregard your authority. We've all, if we're honest, probably most of us if we're honest, have found ourselves tired at the end of a day, sitting in a chair tired, telling a kid what to do because it's easy to get up, the child ignoring us and us not having the energy to get up and make it happen. We've probably all done that, but that's not a good regular practice because kids learn quickly. If you're not going to follow through, they'll know how far they can push it. Amen. When you put a boundary in place, if you want that boundary respected, you have to demand that respect. If you teach a child not to touch something or not to do something and they deliberately disobey you, you have to respond promptly. you don't do it the next day or a week later, you respond promptly some of this some of us know very well but it's all very important we understand if we we ask a child to put away a toy pick up their clothes take the rubbish out you need to make sure it gets done if you actually want them to do that on a regular basis children will push boundaries children need boundaries children are actually happier when they have boundaries they won't tell you that they're happy when they have boundaries they will push them they will complain about them but there is something in a child's mental and emotional development that there is a security that comes with boundaries now you the human nature doesn't like those boundaries but they need to be established amen children have a way they will offer an alternative for obedience you'll say i want you to do this and they will say can i do this instead And kids are smart. They're they're just finding a way not to do what you've just asked them to do. They're providing an alternative, which in their mind seems like a reasonable compromise. But you're not there to compromise with your children. Amen. I'm going to say this probably several times, but parenting is hard work. And we need to stay on track. And I, I don't think there are probably any more challenging tasks than raising another human being. I think it is a very great it's a wonderful privilege but it's a great responsibility as well when children are obedient they should be praised when they're disobedient there should be consequences verse 2 of ephesians 6 says honor thy father and mother which is the first commandment with promise to honor them means to have a high respect for to esteem and to treat with high regard or respect so the manner in which our children treat and speak to us is important why because again like everything else it flows on into later life If your children learn when they are little to speak to their mother and father with respect that will then flow on when they go to school when they go to have jobs when they come to church whatever it may be you learn those principles as a little kid you do not wait till your children start school and hope they'll learn naturally somehow to respect the teacher they have to learn from a very young age how to talk to mum, how to talk to dad amen it's very important that's that's a biblical it's required by god that our children honor their mother and father but you can't just tell your two-year-old god wants you to honor us you have to train that child in the southern parts of the u.s we don't do in australia but if you go anywhere in the south like texas and places like that you'll hear kids say yes sir and yes ma'am to their mom and dad and i'm not saying we should adopt that but it, it what it's teaching them is there is respect there there is respect there for their parents Amen Bless the Lord So we need, we teach our kids To honor and respect their parents Their elders and all other authorities Again it's about that will Being brought under control And we need to be willing to follow up To instruct and to correct There are some things that are Very powerful principles that we need To instill into our children Things like honesty the Children need to understand how important honesty is Accountability responsibility taking ownership of the things that we do principles like to do what is right is always right even when it's not easy it's always right we should teach our children to be willing to accept sorry to accept responsibility for their actions to be willing to humble themselves and apologize there is this is not just about good manners there is direct connection between accepting responsibility for your actions and apologizing and being able to repent The two are connected. Because if we're never made to take responsibility for ourselves, when somebody tells us that we've sinned, we just go, oh, it's not my fault. And so this principle is not only for our families and our lives, but it has a spiritual application as well. Amen. Let's talk about no kid's favorite subject, discipline. Discipline is biblical. We talked earlier about how your child needs you to love them more than anything else. Discipline is a part of loving your children. Hebrews chapter 12 tells us that God chastens, which is an old-fashioned word for disciplines or corrects, God chastens us. Why? Because He loves us. In fact, it goes on to say that if we are without discipline, that we are like fatherless children. That means that we don't have a father that cares for us. Discipline is a very important part of life discipline doesn't only include correction it includes training in good habits time to go to bed time to get up time to make your bed time to help around the house you we just don't suddenly become adults one day and know how to look after a home we learn those things when we are children it's important for children to learn those things as they grow up amen they're all parts of discipline and correction is also a part of discipline it's necessary when you smack the hand of a toddler who keeps trying to stick a fork into a power socket? They don't understand electricity. You can't say to them, "Well, because of the electrical cables running through the building, and the fact that the fork is a conductor, you may get..." Ser- you ca- you have to create an experience where they will recognize when I did that it hurt. To try to teach them not to do it, you can't explain to a two-year-old why electricity is dangerous. So you have to say, "Don't touch that," and. Possibly give them a little smack on the hand and then they will associate the negative experience or their hand stinging with the power socket and hopefully not go back there again. Here are some verses about what the Bible says about discipline, which in the culture that we live in seem to be so foreign. But Proverbs 13 and 24 says, He that spareth his rod hates his son, but he that loveth him chastens him betimes. Proverbs 22 and 15, we read this already. Foolishness bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of correction shall drive it far from him. Proverbs 23 13 to 14, withhold not correction from the child, for if you beat him with the rod, he shall not die. We carry on like we're going to die when we got a smack, but it won't actually kill you. Thou shalt beat him with the rod, verse 14, and shall deliver his soul from hell. Proverbs 29 and 15, the rod and reproof give wisdom, but a child left to himself bringeth his mother to shame. In our society today, there are some very strong opinions about physical discipline uh, or smacking children. And apart from the fact that our society is becoming more and more godless, this is largely based upon a knee-jerk reaction to abuse we should never ever abuse our children there is no room in any shape or form for physical abuse of children discipline should never be administered in an uncontrolled fashion delivered driven by anger that's when it becomes abuse it is normal as a parent to feel a bit upset possibly even angry when your children misbehave and are disobedient but it should never be uncontrolled that's when it transitions into abuse So we must use wisdom in disciplining our children, particularly in society in which we live. It's all well and good to say, well, the Bible tells me to beat my child, so I don't care what society says. If the government takes your child off you because you do that in public unwisely, then your wisdom is foolishness. You've just lost your ability to influence that child. So we have to use wisdom. Amen. Here are some guidelines for us, those of you that are parents that are raising young children. Guidelines for discipline. Remember the purpose of discipline. While it has a component of punishment in it, it is firstly to be corrective or to guide behavior. It is not because we feel annoyed that they've disobeyed us and therefore it makes us feel better to flog our kids. That's not acceptable. We need to learn as parents to discern between disobedience and children just being children. And a simple example of that. If you're teaching your children to wash the dishes, which is a good thing to do, if, you don't ha- if you've got a dishwasher, teach them to stack it and unload it. And a child slips and drops a glass or a cup or a plate and it breaks, that's an accident. That's just a child. If the child has been told ten times, stop mucking around while you empty the dishwasher, and then the glass breaks, that's disobedience. There's a difference between the two. But a glass is not the issue. You can buy another glass. Sometimes we... Kids are just kids, and so we have to be able to discern. And I say that like it's an easy thing to do. It's not. It takes the wisdom of Solomon sometimes to know what the right action is with your children. And last time I checked, none of us were Solomon. But the Bible says if we ask God for wisdom, he gives to all men liberally. Amen. As I've already mentioned, while a parent's anger may help them to discipline their child, it must always be controlled. Uncontrolled anger leads to abuse. We should try wherever possible to avoid discipline in public if, you, if we can it, it's, it's not only embarrassing for the child if you're out in a public place like a shopping mall you may find yourself in more trouble than you really wanted to have and uh, in my own memories of growing up one of the most I'm trying, let's put this pleasantly one of the most enthusiastic corrective occasions of my childhood was because of a public action but the correction took place at home didn't happen in a public place Amen. So it's important. We, but if you tell your children when we get home we're going to talk about this, don't forget. Because you'll get home and they'll, they'll just disappear and hope that mum and dad are busy cooking dinner, hanging out the clothes, and they'll forget. And, and, amen. Be consistent. That's one of the biggest challenges as a parent. If you ignore behavior for weeks and then one day explode, that's actually worse than no discipline at all. Uh, it's like a time bomb we need to be consistent mean what you say if I get to three one, two two and a quarter two and a half two and three fifths two and nine sixteenths if you're going to get to three and three means something make sure something happens when you get to three otherwise the kids just like yeah mum's counting again mean what you say particularly as children get older, consider different kinds of discipline. Things like removing privileges. Nowadays in the world of electronic devices, it's very easy to remove privileges. You make somebody's phone disappear. You cut off somebody's internet access. Somebody said, some some cruel parents said, don't take their device off them, take the charger and watch the life drain from their eyes as, as their device runs out of power. somebody that's all you needed to hear this morning that's that's good but there are there are different ways that we can remove privileges you can give them something unpleasant that needs to be done so they can learn a lesson when in our home we had a lot of weeding done because i hated weeding and so did my son and so he got to weed a lot it was win-win for everybody i got some weeding done amen there there are different ways that we can discipline our children with small children it's not so simple two-year-olds don't have a lot of privileges to remove so with a little kid often a smack on the hand just enough to get their attention or a smack on their bottom can let them know that they're in trouble amen you should never smack your kids around the head uh, the bible does use the word rod i would probably advise against using a rod in today's world if you're going to smack your kids many of us can testify over the you know what you know where it's a wooden spoon or a some people talk about the jug cord. I don't think that's a good idea. I think that's probably a little bit abusive. Um, you know, When your children are little, your hand is enough. As they get a bit bigger, you probably end up breaking your hand. So you have to look for an option. But, but uh, there are other options as well. And uh, sometimes the, the idea of discipline is that it is an unpleasant experience that causes the child to think about their behavior. So that's the goal. The goal is that there will be something that they now have to do because of their actions that will cause them hopefully to consider their actions i wish it worked every time but anybody that's raising kids knows it doesn't work every time when you discipline always look for an opportunity to restore in love after discipline has taken place reassure your child that you love them unconditionally jesus is our model as he willingly forgives us so we ought to forgive our children We talked about this last week and the week before when we talked about the marriage relationship. But parents need to be on the same page. It needs to be a united effort. You need to support one another's decisions. If you don't agree with them, deal with that away from the children. But you need to be united in how you raise the kids. When we talk about honoring your mother and father, fathers, it's really your job to teach your children to honor their mother. It's our job to teach them how to treat their mother properly because how a kid particularly a boy treats his mother will often turn into how he treats his wife and so we need to teach them as fathers as fathers, sometimes in a home a father is much more physically strong than a mother but if that child knows that dad backs mum up that respect will be there you can, if, if you think it's necessary and if you, mothers if you're finding the situation difficult to handle you can go with the old fashioned wait till your father gets home the problem with that is that dad coming home from work becomes a terrifying thing instead of a looking forward to seeing dad at the end of the day thing. You know, And if you're a father, you don't really, the first time you step through the front door at the end of the day, you don't really want to be handed the wooden spoon as you breach the threshold and told to head down to your child's bedroom. That's not how you want to come home from work. But you need to back each other's authority up as best you can. There should be no daylight between you two in the eyes of your children. Amen. Bless the Lord. I've said it before, I'll say it again. Parenting is tough. Obedience and respect will never be achieved without consistent discipline. Consistency is very, very important. And discipline is not a problem if it's balanced with love. If a child only ever gets discipline, you're going to create a problem. But if that discipline is balanced with love, you should always endeavor to restore in love. They need to know how to repent. And as God forgives so should we we just touched on that teach your children what is right and wrong in the world they're going to go to school it's mind boggling to think what kids are going to learn in school nowadays don't wait for them to learn it at school and then try to deal with it try to teach them in advance as, they, as their maturity is appropriate teach them about the right understanding of relationships teach them about the right things about marriage teach your children about the right things about sexuality if you don't the schoolyard will better to teach them fathers with your sons mothers with your daughters teach them how things work teach them how things should and shouldn't happen teach them why marriage is important teach them why it needs to be between one man and one woman and not just to anything teach them right from the start they'll go to school they'll come home with questions but if you've put if you've put the first layer down you've set a line for the house But if they're coming home and they're bringing all this philosophy home and you've never even addressed it because it's awkward or uncomfortable, you're going to have a much bigger challenge on your hands. Teach them young as their maturity is appropriate. Amen. Don't let the world be... Let the world teach them how to count. Let the world teach them how to read and write and do maths and the other skills that... But don't let the church be where they get their morals from. Sorry, the world. (laughs) Let the church be where they get their morals from. Don't let the school be where they get their morals from, or their principles. That needs to come from us, from our homes, and from the Word of God. Amen. And just because they may go to a Christian school, doesn't guarantee that everything's what it should be. Amen. There was—I saw an article just recently about a parent who was very concerned because the school that sent out a, le- a Christian school had sent out a letter about how everybody in the school was going to respond to a tragically very. Uh, gender confused young child, and in, in the whole school was going to have to adjust for this. We need to teach our children what is right and what is wrong. Some people think, Why would you have children in this society? And I understand where that comes from, but the God that kept us can keep our kids as well. Amen. But as parents, we don't just say God's got this, He's got this through us. We have to. If you're not interested in the hard yards, don't have kids, they're not puppies. They're not just play toys. You can't take them to the pound when they annoy you. It's a responsibility. You're raising a human being. Amen. And God wants us to be accountable. Amen. Ephesians 6 and 4 says, And you fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. What does this mean? Provoke not your children to wrath. Don't put unrealistic demands upon your children that they'll never be able to achieve. If you are a perfectionist by nature some of us are be careful that doesn't come across to your parenting because your children are about as perfect as you were as a child maybe more so maybe less but recognize they're ordinary people don't set demands that cannot be reached amen each child is so unique and anybody that's had more than one kid knows you wonder sometimes did these two children come from the same parent Because there's just such diversity in our personalities. Even in our appearances, you can see siblings and it's like, are you really from the same family? That's just how it is. And so we should parent accordingly. Just because it worked with child number one doesn't mean you can copy and paste with child number two. One size does not fit all. There are principles that hold for every child. Things like honesty and accountability and obedience that applies to every child but the method of bringing that about may vary from child to child there are some children you can you can just talk to them and tell them that their behavior is not acceptable and they get really upset by that and they change there are other kids you can beat them till they nearly pass out and nothing happens uh, that sounds funny but it's the truth and so you've got to go how do i handle this child I, you know it's it's a tough thing and if you're parenting young children right like now pray for your kids pray for yourself as a parent because the devil wants to destroy your family and you need the wisdom of God and the direction of God and you need to sanctify your home in prayer because the devil's out to destroy the family unit like it's probably one of his main focuses in the world today amen so you've got you don't compromise with your children you don't say oh well that's just how they are they don't like doing what they're told no that's not acceptable but you've got to look at the child and find a method to reinforce the same principles you had to try to reinforce with their older sibling amen it's not about being slack it's about adjusting your method according to the child and again as i said earlier these things are easy to say they're a lot harder let let me say this there's nothing wrong with asking for help if you know people in the church that have raised kids and you think their kids are doing well go and say hey did you ever have to deal with fill in the blank how did you handle that it doesn't mean you have to say, tell me how I should raise my children across the board. But there's nothing wrong with getting some... The Bible has a principle of the older folk teaching the younger folk. Why? Because they've been there. Amen. So there's nothing wrong. You can, you can talk to me. I'm, I'm basically just going to give you biblical principles and some of our own life experiences. But there's nothing wrong with seeking some assistance if you're having a hard time. Because it is a tough challenge. So let, let me say this as i said earlier your goal is to raise a child so it can be an adult so that at a certain age whatever that may be you don't have to make their lunch anymore you know you don't have to drive them everywhere because they've got a license you don't have to when they're 35 you shouldn't still be buying their socks they should have that covered by then and so when the bible says children obey your parents that stops at a certain age if you have adult children you should no longer be telling them what to do That relationship has transitioned now they may seek your advice if you're always telling them what to do they probably won't but there is a change because that's what we want we want them to become independent not to forget about us and just to you know remove us and never talk to us again but the relationship changes to one where you develop almost a friendship and you become a counselor rather than a do this amen so when your children you know you see i have seen situations where there are grown children and the parents are still treating them like they're eight years old you have to do this because i said so that's not biblical we honor our parents all the days of our lives do my best to treat my mom and dad with respect and honor but i'm glad mom's not telling me what shirt i should wear each day or you know if i haven't done my shoes up properly or have you brushed your teeth today and hopefully i've got that by 48 years of age otherwise there's, there's a problem amen Where was I? got sidetracked. Proverbs chapter 22 and verse 6. It says, Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. It's very important we understand this verse is a principle. It's a principle. In the past, this verse has been used mistakenly to suggest that if you raise your kids right, it's guaranteed that they'll stay right. That's not accurate because that was often taken to mean that if your kids didn't stay on track, then obviously you did something wrong. The problem with that approach is twofold. The first part is, there's no such thing as a perfect parent. So if you look hard enough, you'll find something you should have done better. The second thing is, every single person has a free will. Even that child that you've spent the last 20 years doing your very best to raise properly. They are going to make choices of their own. Anytime time this is important we understand this this is not directly part of this lesson but any time that somebody tells you that if you will do a certain thing that another person must do something else sometimes people think that if i pray and fast a certain amount my child my husband my loved one my friend my neighbor must get saved that's not accurate because there will let me say this if you pray and fast god will work on that person but at some point their will is involved if you think back on your own lives you can look back and you can see i can see where god was working on me i can see how he was drawing me i can see how he used somebody to talk to me or this situation to lead me to him but there's no point when you go and suddenly i was not in control of myself anymore and i woke up when i was a christian at some point you made a choice so what can happen is we can put guilt on ourselves because we haven't prayed enough which is why somebody hasn't come to the lord that's not accurate yes you should pray yes if you feel led you should fast for that situation because god will intervene but the intervention is trying to draw them to make a choice just like when you raise kids you do your very very best they're still going to make choices I've seen kids grow up in fantastic homes become shipwrecked. I've seen kids grow up in less than fantastic homes do incredibly well because the human will is always involved. And so if you are a a parent and you've got some kids, I know there's a lot of us have got adult kids here and they've made some choices, do not allow the devil to beat you over the head with that stick. Because if you want to reflect on your life, I promise you, you'll find things you should have done better. That's guaranteed. You look hard enough, you'll find something you should have done better. But there's a whole lot of stuff you did that was good as well. And ultimately, we're all responsible for our choices. Nobody's going to stand before God and say, well, my mum, yes, yeah, she really didn't have it all together. She You know, there's a bit something wrong with her and she wasn't a very good mom. The Lord's not going to say, well, okay, you get a pass. He's going to say, what did you do with my word? What did you do with what you were taught? What did you do with your opportunity to obey the Scripture? Amen. The, the devil loves to jump on that condemnation bandwagon and tell us that, you know, it's all our fault. It's not. It's sin's fault. We choose to sin. Therein lies the problem. Amen. Got really off track there. Amen. the The, the principle of this verse is that is that as your children grow we do our best to give them understanding about the things we teach them the reasons why teach them well train them well correct them instruct them love them they're still going to make their own choices but those principles are in them and hopefully they will come back to those things that you've put in them amen that's the principle of the verse it's not a guarantee because any guarantee that removes somebody's will from the equation is a misunderstanding of the word of God Amen. Bless the Lord. Try and wrap this up. Let's skip that for a moment. To close this up, the spiritual aspects of parenting. Um, Brother Peter, can you just pop upstairs and let Obadiah know, or let school know we're about ready for them? Prayer. We ought to pray for our children every time we pray. The church lives and dies with each generation in all the teaching that we do in all the discipline that we enforce in all of our active efforts to parent much of what our children will learn and replicate is in our example not our words we want our children to get education we want them to grow up and have decent jobs be able to take care of themselves if they decide to get married we want them to have a good spouse we want them to have good health but beyond all of that we should want them to walk with God We should want them to know God, to love God, to serve God. If they have kids, we want them to pass this heritage to their children. We do not want them to know about granddad's church. We want them to know about their church. And so from the spiritual aspect, as parents, we need to teach our kids to pray. We need to pray with our kids. We need to teach our kids to read their Bibles. We need to bring them to Sunday school we need to raise them in church we need to teach our kids to love the house of god we need to teach our kids to love the man of god i don't say that because i'm the pastor your kids aren't going to all serve god here some will go here some will go there some will marry someone across the country across the world but there is a principle there that we need to teach our kids we need to teach our kids to give teach our kids to give and more than anything we need to teach them by our example You pray, you read the word, you worship, you give, you come to the altar, you serve, you work in the kingdom of God, you love the house of God, you love the man of God. That's our example. That's the most powerful thing that we have. My last verse is Psalm 145 and verse 4. It says, One generation shall praise thy works to another and shall declare thy mighty acts. I believe with all my heart that Jesus is coming back soon. He's coming back very soon. But in the meantime, we must prepare our children to be the church when we are gone, when we are not here anymore. Whatever we fail to give our children spiritually, they will not have to give to their children. Amen. Here's my question as I close. What will your children tell their children about us? What are the principles that they will pass on to their children? What are we putting into their hearts and their minds and their souls? Because if we don't pass it on... uh, Silver and gold have I none, such as I have given other... If you don't have something, you can't give it. So we have to give it to our children in the hope that they will then give it to their children as long as it takes for the Lord to come back. It's not just about your children's generation. It's about their children. I I, I have friends that I grew up with in church, friends that were baptized in Jesus' name, that were filled with the Holy Ghost, that went to Sunday school, that memorized Scripture, some of whom that even got involved in ministry, and for one reason or another, they've walked away from God. Some of them go to no church at all. Some of them go to a church that is perhaps not as biblically accurate as it should be, and is more about a social thing than necessarily a transforming of their lives. And you see, they still have a connection to their heritage. But the children do not. Because spiritually, they've spent their children's inheritance. So when you raise your children, it's not just about them. It's about your grandchildren. It's about who comes after them. It's what we pass on to the next generation. We don't want it to get lighter and less of a load. You know, just take this out and just pass on a reduced version. And the next generation a reduced version. And then we wonder why they don't know the power of the Holy Ghost. They don't know what signs and wonders are. They don't know why it matters that we baptize in Jesus' name. They don't know why it matters that how we live is important and who we are is important. And that God expects us to be separate and sanctified. And holy. they don't understand those things because we haven't passed them on. Amen. There is no greater challenge than to raise another human being. Tim, Paul, it seems was never married but he spoke about Timothy as his son in the gospel and he considered himself spiritually responsible for that young man some of that may all seem a bit daunting but let me tell you this if God has given you that child he will equip you to raise that child if you look to him if you look to the principles of his work his word and if you ask him in prayer to help you he will help you to raise that child because as much as you love that little one he loves them more and he wants to see that little one victorious in him and if you will let him he will use you to bring that to pass amen i'm going to ask you to stand if you would